0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Greenhorns, hello. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Greenhorns Radio. Thank you all for joining us once again. Radio for young farmers by young farmers on the Heritage Radio Network. Coming to you today live from the studio in Brooklyn, New York, where there is much, much afoot, and I can see from where I sit the burgeoning blossoms of the borage and the already-bloomed blossoms of the rose campion as the uh, edible world expands here, even in this weird, craggy outpost where things are mostly industrial. I am joined from a totally non-industrial place today by James Graves, who is coming to us up in Essex County, New York. James, are you with us?
2: I am. Thanks for having me, Severin.
1: Thank you for being there. Um, I wanted to give you a chance just to say who you are and and what your farm is and where it is.
2: Um, as you said, my name is James Graves. I'm uh, 31-year-old uh, farmer of about five years now, I guess, and I've been living in Essex, New York, um, close to three and a half of those years, and... My partner, Sarah, and I farm uh, about 100 acres of uh, mostly pasture and hay fields and a couple acres of vegetables. We do a diversity of livestock, um, chickens, pigs, and beef, and then we, uh, like I said, grow vegetables.
1: Now, for those of us who are not uh, so literate in the counties of this great state of New York, Perhaps you might explain how it is that you have access to such a nice size of farm and, and where that uh, Essex County is in the world.
2: Fair question. Um, we landed in Essex in part be, uh, because we were attracted to the open spaces that, uh, that still exist up here. Um, Essex County is on Lake Champlain. It's in the Adirondacks, in the Adirondack Park. Um, way up in the northeastern corner of New York. Um, Because it is protected as parkland, there's been limited development pressure here. Um, The chance for us to buy 100 acres, um, albeit without a house on it, uh, was made possible largely because of a conservation organization called the Eddy Foundation. Um, The Land we purchased was encumbered by a conservation easement um, to our liking, and that, again, was part of what made it affordable.
1: So you are working in partnership with a foundation who who has as its mandate the conservation of land and, and the maintenance of active farming, I'm assuming, I'm just kind of guessing, um, and that you are also protected by the uh, low development density permitted by the Adirondack Park System. Um, so there's kind of two layers of, um, no, let's not say artificial, but we're going to say unusual um, regulation on your landscape. That's true. Um, okay, now let's talk about this land. Your land is on the side of the Bo- Boquet. How do you pronounce that? What That's kind how
2: I say it Boquet River.
1: Boquet River. Um, let's talk about what the land is like and what the seasons are like, that, um, especially as how that's informed what you're what you're growing there.
2: Sure, um, we are in a, a, a mixed. You know, the native uh, terrain is a mixed deciduous forest. We're uh, on very wet soils here, uh, largely clay soils. Our growing season, uh, frost-free season, is roughly from the beginning of June until. Uh, middle of September. Um, Nonetheless, because we, like you mentioned, uh, the land lies uh, alongside this river, we're in a low-lying spot such that we get uh, frost late in the spring and early in the fall. Um, We think that this is probably going to limit us in terms of uh, propagation of fruit trees and so forth. Um, Nonetheless, we are at a very low elevation here uh, 250 feet above sea level, as much of the uh, Lake Champlain Valley, um, we're, we're tempered by the lake to some degree, and uh, because of that low el- elevation, have a, a fairly mild um, winter and, and, and uh, productive growing season here.
1: Well, I don't know about mild winter. I just been up there ah. recently. I was <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, you had me with the glorious vistas, but then I felt that wind. And I thought, ah, these are brave young farmers up here in this little young farmer cluster of the Champlain region. Um, well, you don't have to talk about the weather if you don't want to. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the young farmer cluster there and um, you know, the progress that you guys have been making on your farmstead and kind of like what's going on in the scene and and what's that succession been like in your town?
2: Um, the the town of Essex and, and, and neighboring towns. Um, are some of the very few uh, lands in the Essex County that uh, have supported a lot of agriculture historically. Um, that's, that's a relative uh, density. Uh, compared to the other side of the lake that has a much wider valley, bottom, valley floor next to the lake, there's a lot more agriculture in Vermont. Um, historically, uh, Essex County is, has supported a lot more uh, forest industry and even tourism uh, more than farming. Nonetheless, uh, farming does exist here, um, and some of the open landscape continues to be farmed by um, people that have inherited farms uh, through the generations. Um, As you alluded to, we are uh, some of a small group of folks that have arrived here recently. Uh, We came up inspired and, uh, I guess, attracted by what's going on at a place called Ethics Farm, um, uh, farmers Airmark and Kristen Kimble, have been there since probably uh, 2003, I would guess, and um, again have, have been uh, farming uh, a community-supported agriculture operation there, uh, made possible again by some um, folks, a, a, a man named Lars Skoulisade, who's uh, friendly to what's uh, happening in the agricultural world, um, in in the realm of uh, organics and and small local scale operations, um, so we came up and worked at their place. We we uh, fell in love with the community and started looking for our own property.
1: So you see what happens: the success of even just a very few number of people has made an influx happen, and this is a very exciting dynamic to me as somebody who's interested in the. Uh, wildfire spread of um, agrarianism throughout this whole land, um, that, in fact, it works. And if one thing works, then more things start working, and it's kind of amazing. But um, I'll just hold my enthusiasm in check for a second as we (laughs) explain how super and phenomenal is the Essex Farm, just for a second, because I want to have them on later, but it'd be nice to just get a tiny little rundown of how amazing Essex Farm is.
2: From my perspective?
1: From your perspective. As their ex- What were you, not apprentice?
2: I don't think they call them apprentices. A farmer, Uh, uh, an employee there. Okay. For a little over a year. Um, My partner Sarah and I uh, both worked there for a little more than a year uh, during uh, 2006 and 2007 and learned uh, just myriad skills of small-scale agriculture from uh, livestock uh, raising to butchering um, we learned to hand-milk cows, and, and we learned uh, all sorts of uh, skills associated with driving horses and with uh, working vegetables with horses. Um, they're an inspiring couple. Uh, even if they weren't farmers, I think they would uh, nonetheless be touching a lot of lives because they're both just... Uh, Mark and Kristen both are just exciting, uh, very intelligent, uh, outgoing people. And so I think, um, like so many others, we were drawn uh, to what they were doing and, and to them and the personalities as, as leaders. Um, and like you suggested, it's, it's, it's been a, a source of inspiration for a lot of other farmers, not just ourselves.
1: So now you're here, and you got hooked in, and, and uh, whether or not it was a conscious decision, um, you're now, you're now, well, it probably was a conscious decision.
2: I'd say it was very conscious, sure.
1: Um, you, you were there, and you got to your land, and your land has no house, and you have uh, spent quite a lot of money on your land, and you have had this experience with the Essex farm, and you before that were... I'm assuming doing a- apprenticeships or ag training in some other place.
2: That's true. In New Hampshire one year and uh in the Hudson Valley is where I got my start.
1: So, 2 years of apprenticing and then 1 year of employee or a little bit more than a year of employee on a really amazing dynamic farm with super engaged teacher farmers. Yes. And there you are on your own land with everything falling to bits. Um how did you feel? <laughs>
2: You visited us. You know how many directions we're going in at one time.
1: Well, it's, uh, what I'm worried about is the many directions that your barn is going in.
2: <laughs> so, yes, uh, our, our, uh, some of our structures are, are in rough shape, indeed. Again, we weren't able to afford a farm with... Uh,
1: we weren't able to afford a farm.
2: But we could afford land, and we, we had the skills, and we had the uh, passion to to take on this project, as daunting as it is. Um, so, you, do you want the story of of how we're putting barns back together, or well, I wanted first of all, I wanted
1: what? the feeling that you felt, and then mm. yeah, the story of the barns being put back together—that'd be good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah and I are both uh, have a, a soft spot for historical structures. Mm. Um, again, another. Um, draw to the to the Champlain Valley, to upstate New York in general, I guess, is the um, pre-industrial farmscape. Uh, our the farm that we're living on, that we own, uh, has several old barns with slate roofs, uh, all in need of a lot of attention. Uh, fortunately, we have the the carpentry skills and a network of uh, family and friends who uh, willingly come help us. Um, various work parties and and volunteer vacations. Um, <laughs> so we're we're inspired that this is a, a achievable goal, and uh, in in no way are we uh, are we thinking that that we can't accomplish what we're setting out to do
1: so that's a good that's a good guiding philosophy now but let's talk about what the barn was for and and like i mean basically i was so impressed with how big it was and how much stuff was going on inside it and kind of curious like how many times it had been reconceived and re-tinkered by the folks who were in it before and now you're there you know chainsawing a hole in the silo with a completely (laughs) different idea
2: Sure. Um, Yeah, one of the the structures that we've spent the most energy and and money on since we landed here is, like you said, the the silo. There's a wooden stave silo uh, 20 feet across and uh, about 50 or 60 feet tall. It was one of the uh, most promising structures on the property, uh, believe it or not. It was put up in 1981, we're told, and only used one year before the uh, dairy operation that was here sold out and sold their cows. Uh, so it was only filled once and emptied, and then it s- stood empty for 30 years. And, and when we came along, we decided, uh, seeing how we don't have a house here, um, why not put this um, agricultural structure to use as a, as a house since we have no intention of filling it with silage ever again. So we commenced uh, an exciting uh, adventure in of itself, of uh, renovating a silo into a dwelling, um, and it's where I spent a lot of my winter, um, and it's turning into, into uh, a very cozy uh, and inspiring house for us in the, very soon. We'll be moving in there in the next week or two.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, Yeah, um-
2: you haven't seen it since we... Done a lot of the interior work. Have you, Severin?
1: I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. Good. I, I, um, I do think it's the only we're only days and weeks off from when there'll be film crews buzzing around you trying to uh, expose this fabulous new trend of <laughs> silo living. It's really the most sophisticated way to live um, on a property that has no house, <laughs> and um, I commend you for we your. We think so. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and I think that I think this should be the beginning of a trend because it is a very like you said it's it's uh, it's very sophisticated
1: um so you know a lot of people go to school um and to be in a silo and you're you know on a farm living in a silo we should talk a little bit about um what other things are going on on the farm and a little bit about um how you're relating with the the folks who are around you like what what are the who are the old timers near there? And, and what's the dynamic um, that you're finding in, in the way that you're meeting them and they're meeting you? Um, and maybe you have some insight to share with others who are going kind of further out, um, further outside the usual places that are closer into the city that are more used to newcomers, mm-hmm. into communities that are not so used to newcomers and who have seen more of an exodus um, although in your area there's always been kind of a tourism influence because of the lake, but maybe That's you have some relevant course. thing to talk about there. I don't know.
2: I think it's relevant. Um, like you, like you said, there um, there are both communities here. There, there are folks that um, have have settled here in retirement or, or have made this a, a home later in life or, or, or relocated here. And then there, there are folks that, have, uh, that are native to the area that have lived here for generations, their families. Um, and some of those, uh, some of each community, I guess, are, are farmers. And, um, and we, we rely on each other for, uh, for a lot of things. We, uh, we personally uh, hire uh, our haymaking out to a farming family that, that has property on our road. Um, that's been a really great relationship and um, we buy our grain from other local farmers that uh, have turned to organic methods that's one of the um, assets to the area is that there have been um, several of the um, second and third generation farmers here who've uh, switched to organic methods and um, we see that as a great asset because that's the the type of grain that we, uh, prefer to purchase. And it's readily available, uh, within miles. And they've been great at working with us. Um, so yeah, between, uh, hiring out custom work and purchasing grain, those are, the primary reasons for overlapping with our neighbors. Um, in terms of leaning on other, uh, newcomers, uh, like I said, Mark and Kristen use horses, and there have been a great number of instances where uh, as Sarah and I've just purchased horses, we've been utilizing their expertise and and borrowing equipment here and there uh, as as we get on our feet with that enterprise
1: so it's you know it's amazing that how how mundane it is, but having having someone there who knows how to hay and knows how to use who knows the land and knows how to use the equipment um, and is familiar with that and having a source of organic grain. I mean, these are the things that um, folks who are farming in peri-urban, urban, suburban areas, you know, I mean, major craze in Oakland, um, what came from the bulk, the first bulk purchase of organic chicken feed um, that was distributed uh, out of a uh, biodiesel station, uh-huh. you know, like having to reinvent that network of services and goods um yep. once it's gone is so hard, and yep. having it to pl- having um, having a functioning uh web of agricultural commerce to plug into obviously makes yep. our lives a lot easier
2: and by no means are we you know wealthy in that regard um, you know there are a lot of vacant farms around here and, and a lot of infrastructure that no longer exists but um yeah, like you said, there there are elements of it, and uh, we're thankful for those.
1: Well, I know, um, I know that your region used to have a, a mining history, and that there was agriculture associated with that mining. M- maybe you could talk about um, the infrastructure that you are missing, just briefly, um, before we talk about your house project.
2: Sure. Um, some of the things that we travel furthest for are. Uh, just basic agricultural supplies. Um, we don't have a, a, a feed store or, or a farm supply store um, anywhere within a half an hour. We have to go um, a good 45 minutes, and a lot of that infrastructure is across the lake um, in Vermont.
1: And there's no bridge.
2: And there is no longer a bridge. So it's a ferry ride. Um, it's, you know, juggling ferry schedules and, um, hours of operation for uh, going into the different uh, farm supply places. It's, uh, you know, making a lot of phone calls to uh, track down whatever uh, supplies or minerals or, uh, you know, different things that we're looking for. And that is a, a bummer that we have to travel so far. There used to be, um, as you would expect, a uh, farm uh, supply store just, you know, Right a couple miles from the farm here, but um, you know, as uh, farmers left the area and um, numbers of farms dwindled, that was no longer a, a profitable business. I guess.
1: Well, it seems like profitable business is coming back, and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have um, a whole bunch more of uh, this Essex posse up up on the radio. I think they're so well. When I went up there. Um, I was like, "This is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move here and farm here. This is it." That's great. Um, which is a feeling I feel quite frequently, actually, <laughs> in <visiting. laughs>
2: We would love to have you.
1: Um, thank you kindly. Um, that's a feeling that I'm starting to feel quite often in my travels and uh, going around uh, to various outcroppings of the kind of young farmer territories, um, finding fabulously brazen and uh, really. They've got the muscles to back it up, um, people, and mm-hmm. everywhere people are just like stamping their foot and saying, "You know, here it's it's happening here. This is this is it. This is where it's going it's on." A, it's and
2: happening a lot of places, isn't it?
1: It's happening a lot of places, and um, you know your epicenter over there is pretty friggin' glorious. Um, I just wanted to give you a chance to describe very briefly, um, as a closing, your farm name and how you're bringing that spirit to bear in, in dealing with this housing problem that you have? <laughs>
2: um, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Well, our name Full and By Farm um, draws on an old nautical term. Um, I guess perhaps because of my, my love for sailing, I, uh, I had to have that in our, our name for, because I, I do miss it, so being grounded on the farm. Um, full and by is an old term meaning uh, close hauled or, or sailing as close to the wind as one can while maintaining full sails. And it is our endeavor here to um, to farm as naturally as we can, uh, you know, minimizing our impact on the on the ground while, uh, nonetheless, uh, bringing in a bounty for us in our community, um, much like uh, you know, sailing under. Uh, nature's wind and, and 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 not starting up the engine to to get where you need to go
1: that's um it's such a f- it's such a fantastic intention and it uh, seems like so many um so many good so many goodnesses may spring from uh, an intention as noble as that
2: let's hope <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and living under the name of it I think, you know, it's like those colleges, old school colleges where they have these things all scrolly up on the archways of their right. entrance and, and everybody has to walk through it every day and you know, oh yes, this is this is the sacred duty yeah. that we bring to this work. Yeah. Uh, um but uh intention is is quite powerful. Um and even when the winds blow hard, um
2: As they do here often.
1: As they do there often you keeping your sails up and out and uh seizing upon that force uh is a great inspiration to us all. I I thank you James so much for your work um and for being here today. Um and thanks
2: for having me and 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 thanks for that uh those words of uh, uh, approval and and blessing in a way, I guess.
1: Well, you got you got it. Um <laughs> we are um we are approving and blessing and and in complete delightment about this The Young Farmer Movement, which goes on all the time, but which you can listen to on the radio. Um, uh, Thank you so much, James. Uh, Thank you so much, listeners. Uh, Thank you so much to our sponsors uh, here in Brooklyn, the Fairway Market. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To HeritageRadio.com. Please, all you people of the Northern lands, come to our Chautauqua in Maine in August. We will be posting it information so far we have seaweed workshops and stone masonry workshops i can't talk about it now because we don't have any time but there's many many more informations on our blog on our website in our network on our mailing list please be a part of our world uh we'd love to be a part of yours and uh talk to you again next tuesday sorry next thursday at 2 p.m every tuesday at 2 p.m oh golly It's Thursdays at 2 p.m. Every Thursday at 2 p.m. We're here. Where are you?
2: Yes, I'm here.